0: Four receivers in formation. First down and ten from the Kansas City 40. He fires right sideline. Gerald Everett caught over the shoulder at the 10. Tiptoes the sideline. Touchdown, LA! With 1:49 to go, a 40-yard strike from Goff to Everett, and the Rams are back on the high side. 53, 51.
1: It's time for the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP mobile app. Tanner Hoops with you Tuesday afternoon. We inch closer to Thanksgiving, a short week for a lot of us, hopefully for you as well. Glad that you're with us once again. Charlie Bramer with us on Tuesday afternoon. What are your Thanksgiving plans, Charlie? What are you going to be doing for Turkey Day?
2: Well, my brother is flying in from Alaska. I haven't seen him in several years. So just going to be with the meet up with the family down in the
1: Green Bay area and mm-hmm. should be a good time. What about you? Are you headed to Iowa? My family is coming up from Iowa. Oh, there you go. Which will be fun. Yeah. So that'll be good. It's been a while since I've seen them. My brother is flying over from South Dakota. He's out in college over there. Uh, so it'll be good to get to reconnect with everybody, see everyone over the holidays. But they are going to be in for a trip when they see the snowfall that's happened out yeah, here. It's not quite like this in Iowa yet. And... This is only the beginning. It's going to get much, much uh, uh, heavier. Well, you can count on that. You certainly can count on that. Usually we're used to the heaviest stuff coming right around after New Year's maybe in Iowa. But here it's a little earlier that's all right uh we'll make it work we've got football to watch we've got good food naps to take after we eat naps. yep. Naps. it is going to be a good day you know i always like thanksgiving i i don't like it when people look ahead to christmas before it because it's one of my favorite holidays so we get the chance to celebrate it we get to watch some good football we really get to see the nfc north take shape we're really going to find a lot about these squads this weekend really not only with the Thursday game between the Bears and Lions but the Sunday night football game has got to be an exciting one for the Lions I see this as being an elimination game somehow they got a win against Carolina partly because Carolina said here Matt please take this win we're going to have a terrible play call at the end of the game and Cam Newton screws it up and Detroit somehow wins it keeps their slim playoff hopes alive for Green Bay, I see this as an elimination game, too. They have to beat Minnesota, and really, it seems like they've got to run the table the rest of the way. You and I talked last week, said maybe there's room for one slip-up. They had that against Seattle, yeah, so did. now probably going to have to run the table the rest of the way. But give me your thoughts on the NFC. Obviously, not how we thought it would uh, would transpire, specifically the NFC North. Yeah, that game,
2: the the Bears-Vikings game last Sunday night, I was really surprised by the outcome of that. Me too. Uh, the Bears played, I mean, they were they looked well-rounded. They did. They won back-to-back NFC games, NFC North games, rather, for the first time in four years. Mm-hmm. So that's really, uh, you know, I said the Bears really had to prove stuff. Whatever that means, I guess. <laughs> they're doing it. They're doing it, and I am not... I don't like that. That makes me uneasy. Well, yeah, anyone who's a
1: fan of a team in the NFC North, you were supposed to be able to count on the Bears as a couple of gimmies this year. They were supposed to be the cellar dweller for the NFC North, and all of a sudden they get a new head coach, a second-year quarterback who's looking like he's progressing well ahead of schedule. They get Khalil Mack. I'm just wondering how much difference one guy can make on a defense, but he looks like he's doing it is the weird thing. They... I know that their schedule hasn't been great It hasn't been overly impressive so far But their defense is for real I mean, they're a legitimate group And they're fast
2: Yep, and the only thing there is to say You know, the last time the Packers were 4-6 and six, They went on to the NFC Championship yeah. game <laughs> I have to throw that out there They're 4-5-1 and one now, essentially 4-6 and six. They have the Packers' remaining schedule Woody Page always says Look at the schedule Their remaining schedule is the easiest. Out of the NFC North, it's the easiest. The Vikings is the second hardest, and the Bears have the hardest remaining schedule. So Mm -hmm. let's look towards the schedule. and I guess you don't have to hope for the best. You're not a Packers fan, but I'm going to look to the schedule and hope for the best. Like we said, Packers already had their one loss. I was saying they had to go one and one against either the Vikings well, go one and one against the Vikings and the Atlanta Falcons. Now they have to go just win out, like mm-hmm. you said. And it's going to have to start this week.
1: Well, uh, I want to break down that Sunday night matchup before we move on. Packers visit the Vikings. Obviously the rivalry, two teams whose seasons haven't gone how they were hoping it would. Green Bay is on life support. Minnesota, everyone was thinking they were going to run the table in this division especially after what they did last year and it's not been the case and i wonder how much that has to do with what we saw last night on monday night football last night we saw an offensive onslaught that's what the league wants the league wants to make this an offensive league minnesota wants to be a defensive team so i wonder how much the trend is going to change for coaches like mike zimmer and how tough it's going to be for defensive-minded head coaches going forward in the nfl
2: yeah i i mean the Vikings have a good offense, but obviously they're, they're, they're a defensive team, like you said, and, you know, ex- exactly. What is that? Is there going to be a place for a defensive head coach in the NFL? Obviously there will always be a place for defensive-minded guys in the NFL. They always need some defense. Mm-hmm. But as far as head coaches go, and the Vikings, I I mean – did they really look bad on Sunday? I didn't think they looked. For
1: about three quarters, they did. Yeah. Fourth quarter, they picked it up.
2: Yeah, yep, yeah. and I guess you know Kirk Cousins would make an, an occasional throw just to keep me intrigued, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, what what's going on there? You know, they'll look like an NFC Championship team one week, and then they'll lay an egg, you know, against the Bills. You know, is that coaching? What, what's going on with that exactly? I'd,
1: Well, I know that there's got to be a little bit of drop-off offensively. Losing Pat Shermer, he's just too good of a coach that there's not going to be a guy that can come in and do better, You know, replace a guy like that from an offensive coordinator standpoint. So you know there'd be a little bit of a drop-off, but right now they don't seem to have things figured out defensively like we thought heading into that game. I thought defensively they had finally turned the corner and they were going to be what we expected offensively they just looked uncreative the other night they rely on a healthy Dalvin Cook and right now you've got a slightly above average quarterback in Kirk Cousins throwing it up to talented receivers and a talented tight end and Rudolph and trying to make that offense look good it just looks uncreative right now for the Vikings but to me that division's still up for grabs because I don't see the Bears as being a legit team for whatever reason they've looked good I'll give them that. Their defense is for real. But at some point, something's going to catch up to them. Because to me, they're just not complete for whatever reason. No. Yeah, capable and, offensively.
2: And, and you're not going to win a lot of games when your quarterback throws more interceptions and touchdowns, which is what they did mm-hmm. against the Vikings. So it, it, there's just things like that going on. Even when they win a game, there's things like that. You know, like Trubisky threw more interceptions and touchdowns. That's not right. No. You know, that's not, that's not sustainable.
1: I mean, and they're not going to be making a Super Bowl run. I mean, I'd be shocked, probably more than anybody, if the Bears were to be the ones that—well, save for the whoever wins the NFC East, other than them, the Bears. Yeah, I mean, the, right? Whoever wins uh, the NFC East won't be a factor in the postseason, but the Bears—I mean, they could win out the rest of the way, be thirteen and three, and I still wouldn't pick them to even reach the NFC Championship.
2: Is is. Whoever wins the NFC North or NFC East, would you expect anything out of either of those divisions in I would the playoffs? if it's Minnesota. Yeah?
1: I do if it's Minnesota. I still think that all the talent is there, and they just haven't figured things out yet. For the Bears, I don't think there's another, another level they can play at. I think they're playing their highest level of football right now. Minnesota, I still think they have another level to go to. and If they get hot week 17 and go into the postseason with that momentum, I think they could be dangerous in the playoffs.
2: If the Packers could run the table, obviously then they'd be on a bit of a hot streak. They'd then they'd have to be hot, and Aaron Rodgers would have to be playing, you know, out of his mind. As we could go for one of them hot Aaron Aaron Rodgers hot streaks now here in the. the northeast part of Wisconsin, and the UP, that's for sure.
1: We wouldn't have enough time to cover it. I mean, he has done that throughout his career. Charlie Bramer's in studio with us. Let's take a look at the division leaders in the NFL through 11 weeks. Charlie, tell me which of these division leaders is less likely to end up at first place in their division at the end of the season. We'll start in the AFC. In the north, Pittsburgh's on top. They're at 7-2 and a tie. You've got the AFC South. Houston has surprised a lot of people. They've won seven straight after starting 0-3. Kansas City, 9-2, and two, still on top in the AFC West. And then the East, it's still New England's division. They're 7-3. Out of those four teams, Pittsburgh, Houston, Kansas City, and New England, who is the least likely to end up division champions at the end of the year? Or do you feel comfortable with all of them?
2: That's a tough one, man. I think I'd feel pretty comfortable with those teams i would have mm-hmm. to look at their afc schedules mm-hmm. i'm always more familiar with nfc schedules but that that kind of and, and isn't that what you pretty much would have aren't those the four teams you would have pretty much picked at the start of the season i
1: think at least three of the four in the Certainly. south i think jacksonville would have been the team i probably picked. yeah i just didn't see them falling out like the bottom just fell out for them this year and i don't know what happened but houston right now they're playing at a high enough level I think the only team that could catch them in the South would be Indianapolis, and they still have to be playing at a high level like they are, but the rest of those teams, I just don't see them losing a grip on the division. I think Pittsburgh is starting to figure things out, and they're separating from the rest of the North. New England just runs the AFC East, and the Chiefs, despite the Chargers being 7-3 and three and nobody cares... Chiefs are still going to win that division they're still yep. the best team out there yep and I guess
2: I guess yeah the only thing at the start of the season was you know how good was Deshaun Watson going to be when he came back mm-hmm. and it wasn't so good at first no. but that's he's obviously turned that corner he's
1: figuring things out and he's doing it without Will Fuller and that guy all he does is catch touchdowns
2: Will Fuller that is a very underrated aspect of their you know that they've mm-hmm. been able to do that without Will Fuller a huge certainly. loss
1: and they bring in Demarius Thomas and you know, you can't really fill the void that Will Fuller can provide as one of the best vertical route runners in the NFL, but Thomas has done a good job, and they've just kept moving on. So Houston looks like they're primed to win that division. Let's look at the NFC teams before we go to break. Uh, the division leaders after 11 weeks. The Bears lead the North at 7-3. and three. The East right now it's Washington. They're at 6-4, and four, but... They are going to have to rely on Mark Sanchez and Colt McCoy the rest of the way at quarterback. The South you have the Saints humming along at nine and one, and then the West you have the Rams with the NFL's best record at ten and one. Which of those teams is less likely to lose their lead on the division come season's end?
2: Man, I really want to say the Bears, but you
1: want to, I
2: know. And and then in the NFC East, you know, you say, oh, they have to rely on colt mccoy and backup quarterbacks but who's going to overtake them exactly so it's really a toss up there Mm -hmm. you know man here i'm not coming in and doing but giving very many answers i'm being pretty indecisive today aren't i
1: that's all right you know that's (laughs) these are questions that probably the best answer is we're seeing who's going to win the division right now for a lot of them i think they are houston's maybe a question as far as who will win the south nfc east maybe still a question The other three divisions, though, I don't see changing. I still see Chicago, New Orleans, and L.A. winning the NFC divisions. But over in the East, like you said, Washington is without Alex Smith. But will that open the door for anybody else? Anybody else good enough to do it? I don't know what happened to the Eagles. They taught us all a lesson last year about being doubters. And look what happened to them this year. Bottom falls out just like it did for Jacksonville. Two hottest teams in that division are the Cowboys. Whose best option is, what, finish 8-8 eight and eight and get bounced the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> and the Giants, who have won yep. two in a row, but they're 3-7, and seven, and they're pretty much irrelevant unless they win their last six games of the season. So I don't know if it opens the door for anybody else with Alex Smith getting hurt. Maybe at best, all it does is mean the Redskins are going to be an easy draw for whoever they get in the first round of the playoffs.
2: And and Alex Smith being hurt, is he he's probably going to miss the start of next year. He might
1: depending how well he recovers from this, which is going to be tough to do. him.
2: I have been surprised, though, like Brian Bulaga coming back, mm-hmm. af- you know, after an injury like that, after about eight or nine months. Um, but I guess that's always a, more of an individual thing, a wait-and-see thing. But you would, you'd have to assume he would be missing to start of the next season as well.
1: Now, it's, it's tough to see those injuries and to try and come back from those. You saw the video of Alex Smith, right? I wish I didn't. I, I didn't. Don't I look didn't. it up. No, I don't didn't. look it up. No, it's
2: it's a bad one. Huh? It's, it's a like, bad one. Who is the Redskins quarterback? Uh, I, I Joe Theismann. Joe Theismann. Yeah. Is it? Is it? It's not that bad. Is it? It's similar
1: to it. Ooh, Joe Theismann even said so. Tweeted after it happened. You know what's eerily similar about that? Is it happened on the same date, thirty-three years later? The game finished in the same final score, and the injury happened on the same yard line. How freaky is that? <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah, that stuff will happen, That's I guess. That's huh? That Yeah, that is weird. That's football.
1: That's football. It's something. We've got Charlie Bramer in studio with us. We'll take a timeout. An absolute thriller last night on Monday Night Football, plus a few thrillers on the hardwood, NBA style. We'll break down that next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app.
0: Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the
1: ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen Tuesday afternoon. Tanner Hoop's joined by Charlie Bramer. He's got an all-too-familiar read going up with you here in the second segment. Ladies and gentlemen, as you are well aware, the Pigskin Payday
2: is back. Head into Ojibwe Casinos to predict the winners of each week's Pro Football games. Play all season long for your chance at the $100,000 grand prize, only at Ojibwe Casinos, Berga and Marquette.
1: So, once again, breaking down the NFL, what happened last night? Oh my gosh, that was fun. And unless you're a Bucks fan like Charlie is a Pistons fan like a lot of our listeners are you were probably watching Monday Night Football last night 54-51 the Rams beat the Chiefs highest scoring Monday Night Football game ever third highest scoring NFL football game ever 105 points between the two teams it was absolutely unreal few other eye-popping numbers 14 combined touchdowns between the two squads. Was it
2: 1,000 yards?
1: 1,001. Wow. 1,001 yards, and Patrick Mahomes became the first quarterback to throw six touchdown passes in a Monday night game. What a ridiculous matchup. I said it yesterday, and I am even more sure about it now. Those two teams probably gave us the best game of the year and arguably the decade, but neither of them will make the Super Bowl this year. I just don't see it happening. I'll tell you what, though. I wish we could have that game every single week and twice on Super Bowl Sunday (laughs) instead of the inevitable Brady-Breeze matchup that we're going to get this Super
2: Bowl. Are you convinced of that? Yes. You're going to put it in the bank, earn some interest.
1: New Orleans is the most complete team in the NFL right now. They're going to win the NFC, and Tom Brady always runs the table once you get to the postseason. January is Brady's month, and he's going to do it again. Chiefs, they can put up points with the best of them. But you have to sustain that. It has to be consistent offense throughout the postseason. I just don't know any team that can sustain that at that level. They've shown their vulnerability, and it's on defense. And to me, you have to at least be somewhat capable on defense if you want to be a successful team, if you want to be anywhere close to a complete team. Patrick Mahomes, six touchdown passes last night, 51 points, is not good enough to win. I mean, that's not going to get you to the Super Bowl. That's why I don't think Kansas City's going to do it. I would take Pittsburgh right now before I would take Kansas City. Really? I would.
2: Wow, Pittsburgh over at Kansas City? I would think Kansas City would be able to outscore Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers in a playoff game. But all
1: it takes is one game where your offense isn't rolling and where the other defense can step up. I just don't see Kansas City being complete enough to be able to survive doing this multiple weeks in the playoffs. I'll tell you this, though. I hope it's Kansas City. I hope I'm wrong. I'm cheering for Kansas City to make the Super Bowl. I just don't think they will.
2: Yeah, Kansas City. Also, talk about a great just a football fan base are. out there. They got some hardcore, you know, people. You know, like the Bills Mafia. What, what are we going to end up calling the Kansas City fans? I'm sure they have to have a nickname. But I, I don't know. Would, it, would you think? the rams or the chiefs have a probably the the rams would have to have a better chance at making the super bowl than obviously with what you were saying
1: i i just feel like it's a more wide open afc but i don't know any way that a team can get by the saints in the nfc i just don't i know the rams won last night but i just don't know how you beat new orleans right now i would like to see mahomes and breeze match up in the super bowl i think that'd be a lot of fun Either way, and it's not that against Breeze and the Saints. I mean, Breeze is one of the best players in NFL history, and he's having one of his best seasons. So nothing against him, but whatever happens, I just hope it's a Super Bowl half as good as last night because that was a lot of fun.
2: Could could we really complain, though, Brady-Breeze-Super Bowl?
1: Yeah, I would a little bit. You would I a mean, little T- bit. Tom is always there. I mean, it's true. I don't want to bash Tom Brady. I know there's a lot of people up here who do. I don't want to go on and bash Tom Brady, but let's get a little parody in there, man. Let's see a guy like Patrick Mahomes get in there. I'd even go for a Roethlisberger Super Bowl. We haven't had that in a while.
2: Is this is this Bill Belichick's last year? You know, last offseason, there was talk, oh, this is going to be his last year. Now I haven't heard much about that. It's a possibility. I'm thinking it's a very good possibility.
1: It's a possibility. It just seems – it's a possibility, but it seems not possible to ever see the Patriots without him again. But I wonder, because uh, you bring that up, something I talked about yesterday on the show with Rachel Zerby, Josh McDaniels and his future. I know the fallout last season with Indianapolis – I know everything that transpired from there has got to make him unattractive to another team. But if Belichick retires, I would think McDaniels is the guy they promote to take the Patriots job. If not, I don't know that he comes back to New England. To your point, I will say this. I don't think McDaniels and Belichick will both be back with New England next year. You may not like this, but I think if Mike McCarthy exits, for one way or another, Josh McDaniels would be a name the Packers would kick around a lot. I think that'd be a guy that they would uh, strongly consider bringing in and trying to pair him up with Aaron Rodgers because right now he's working with Tom Brady. He goes to a place like Green Bay. It'd be the only place in the league where he could upgrade at the quarterback position, talent level, plus he doesn't have to do with Brady's attitude because they hate each other.
2: Isn't that something um, all guys do together is win and and they end up just, just with uh, I don't even know what to call it. Just, just despising each other. Yeah, they you, hate each other. You hear more and more about it in Green Bay, you know, and obviously, McCarthy hasn't won quite at the level of Belichick, but he's in second, and I make reference to that all the time. And the two best quarterbacks with I believe the two best coaches in the league, and and they can't they can't find a way to get along. That's just that's classic football right there
1: to me that says that a change needs to be made somewhere for new england you have to get rid of mcdaniels it's not going to be tom brady and if there needs to be a change in green bay you're certainly not going to get rid of aaron Rodgers.
2: yeah they're tied to him i mean
1: which tells me that you know mccarthy's got history and i'm certainly not an advocate for saying what have you done for me lately you're out of here if you're not winning but at some point, you need to have more success than you. I just don't think it's working between McCarthy and Rodgers. They should be getting more results than they are. So to me, that says if somebody's got to go, it's got to be McCarthy and probably Ted Thompson.
2: Well, I mean, t- yeah, Ted Thompson stepped down to some kind of advisory role, and I think he's I th- still got to go. I think he. I mean, his what his advisory role is kind of a. Uh, You know, it's arbitrary at best. Mm -hmm. Um, I I just, I I can't get over the fact, you know, the last time Rodgers and McCarthy had a full season together, they went to the NFC Championship game. And after one season, which obviously that could still happen, I mean, weirdly enough, but I, I just, I really think he'll be back next year and given one more chance.
1: But, if you got the chance, would you upgrade for Josh McDaniels if you could do it now? Say the offer's not on the table a year from now. you got to do it this year. would you do it i i,
2: I couldn't do it couldn't do I it. couldn't do it. I'd have to give McCarthy another shot. He's just won too much. Charlie Bramer's in studio with us. We'll respect that, and there is I don't agree with it, but I'll respect that There was an interesting stat, and th- this was a while ago, and um I'm not sure I know the Packers had have gone into fourth quarters um at least being tied and lost the game but there was a stat a while back where mike mccarthy had won over a hundred games and never lost when he had a lead going into the fourth quarter and you know the other week people were really nitpicking that he didn't go for it on fourth and two and for a guy who goes a hundred and some games and zero uh with zero losses uh when having a lead heading into the fourth quarter, i don't know how you can really nick pit that game management. obviously, the guy knows what he's doing and if you know and and I love how he always says you know you f- you go with the numbers, you follow the numbers, and it's obviously worked for him in the past eventually it's not going to it, you know i just i I find it fascinating how quickly people jump on on and off the bandwagon you know it's it, I that never ceases to amaze me
1: well I, I see what you're saying I mean and I don't think McCarthy's a bad coach I don't you're right he's got I get numbers what you're to saying. back it up yeah he's got the numbers to back it up but at some point the Packers need to be winning more than they are and that's where I think that people get frustrated you know he's put up wins he has a winning record what have you But to Green Bay fans, it's about Lombardi trophies. And if you're not bringing those home, especially with the type of talent that they have with Aaron Rodgers, that's where Packer fans are going to start to call for some firings and some guys to get axed. And McCarthy, whether it's right or wrong, is going to be on the front line of that. So I get what you're saying in the sense that I don't think he's a bad coach. And I share that with you. I don't think he's a bad coach. But sometimes places just aren't fits with each other. and. I don't know. I If the Packers are content with going the way they are right now, then you probably hang on to Mike McCarthy, but I don't see things getting better in the near future if they don't make a change. The
2: one thing I, I have liked about Mike McCarthy in the past is he has, he has made changes. Um, he's not the type of coach to just, you know, if they're losing, to just keep doing, keep keep on keeping on he will make drastic changes uh whether it's to his coaching staff um his play calling style he's 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 stopped calling plays he's gone back to calling plays he's done different things always mid-season and even mid-game for that matter um obviously not now uh well really the Packers have been a much better second half team I guess even still now that's been a trend for them throughout the years and you have to you have to kind of weigh what is it Aaron Rodgers just playing that good you know playing better in the second half or is it Mike McCarthy's coaching adjustments why why wouldn't he have those adjustments heading into the game you know there's all kinds of things like that i i guess i just go on and on i try and defend mike mccarthy at every chance i i get just just because i want there to be that voice uh i think of reason but whatever's going to happen is going to happen and it's out of my control and it's just going to be a really tough pill to swallow um, if Mike McCarthy does get let go and I'm just going to have to learn how to deal with that I guess because it seems to become more and more inevitable every week
1: regardless you're not afraid and you're not backing down of what you believe and that's the main thing to take away from this I respect that and we need a lot more people in sports journalism who are like that Charlie Bramer's in studio with us. Coming up, we've got your weekly message from the MHSAA, and we'll break down the Bucs and the Pistons on the hardwood last night. That's next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app.
0: Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Rekindling the fire, sleeper plays, and busy weekend. It's all next on This Week in High School Sports, powered by Michigan Student Aid. Michigan's go-to resource for student financial aid. Hi again everyone, I'm John Johnson and welcome to This Week in High School Sports. The season is over for the football team at Port Huron Northern but the book certainly isn't closed on what was a historic high point for the Huskies program. Three straight winning seasons, something that hasn't happened in 20 years, and the first district title in school history. And it's having a ripple effect. All this. Recruiting stuff has uh, really
1: helped out with the bringing football back to year Irwin, and especially with the younger kids like Taffel. I know uh, uh, they all just want to be like more 17, I guess. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I went to a couple of their practices, and it's it's, it's cool, but. Uh, you know, I'm just happy that football is starting to pick up in the area again. And
0: That's junior linebacker Braden McGregor, who spearheaded a defense along with senior tackle Maurice Powell, which allowed just 12 points a game this season. You can read more about the Huskies on the second half page of the MHSA website. Our MHSAA TV game balls this week go out to reading quarterback Alex Price, who rushed for three touchdowns and passed for a fourth in a regional victory over Detroit Southeastern, and the football team at New Lothrop, which knocked off two-time champion Paloma Westphalia in a regional final battle of the state's top two teams in Division Seven last Friday. You can watch both of these games for free right now at MHSAA.tv. Back with more in a moment, you're listening to This
1: Week in High School Sports. Do you need money for college? Michigan Student Aid is Michigan's go-to resource for student financial aid. They administer scholarships, grants, college savings programs, and other resources that help make college accessible, affordable, and achievable for you. See how they can help you today by visiting Michigan.gov slash MyStudentAid and connect with Michigan Student Aid on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram. Our
0: weekly Be the Referee feature takes a look into the fine art of officiating with Mark Ewell. Let's finish up the football season with this, You Make the Call. It's fourth down and five at the 30-yard line, and the offense begins to leave the field as the field goal unit comes on. One of those offensive players, however, doesn't make it all the way to the bench. He stops a step short of the sideline, essentially hiding out along the sideline. The ball is snapped, the holder stands and throws a perfect pass down the sideline to a wide-open player. Yep, that player that was hidden out at the sideline. Is this legal? The answer is no. This is a foul for illegal participation. A team can never use a substitution or pretended substitution to deceive the defense. Thanks, Mark. You can be a referee. Go to the MHSAA website now to register. The weekend before Thanksgiving is certainly one of the biggest tournament weekends of the entire school year and certainly the biggest one for the MHSAA Network, MHSAA.tv, and FoxSportsDetroit.com. Literally hundreds of hours of live streaming audio and video will be available for fans unable to get to championship action in swimming and diving, volleyball, and 8-player and 11-player football. Join us again next week for another edition of This Week in High School Sports, powered by Michigan Student Aid, a production of the MHSA Network. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm John
1: Johnson. We'll see you next time. Welcome back to the sports Pen on ESPN UP and the ESPN UP app. Tanner Hoops joined by Charlie Bramer on this Tuesday afternoon. Charlie, you know what to do. Take it from here. I think the, I, I think we're gonna have callers calling in.
2: They can, they can read the they can read this for us. <laughs> the Pigskin Payday is back. Head into Ojibwa Casinos to predict the winners of each week's pro football games and play all season long for your chance at the hundred thousand dollar grand prize only at Ojibwe Casinos, Barriga and Marquette.
1: Well, once again, we're going to break down the hardwood action from last night. Both the area teams were in action. You had the Pistons and the Bucks, both at home, and both winners. It was a good night for both of them. Let's start where you want to start, with Milwaukee. They get the win 104-98 to last night over Denver. Giannis doing Giannis things. I mean, this is something that we come to expect from him night in and night out. 29 points, 12 boards, 6 assists. And nobody bats an eye. Thirteen of twenty-five in the field, because everybody expects it from this guy. You get a few other contributions, like Eric Bledsoe with his twenty-three points, Chris Middleton, Malcolm Brogdon each with thirteen. They continue to show off their depth and they go over the century mark again.
2: There was there was a there was a few things that uh, I would have liked seen clean up from the Bucks last night. But then again, that jazz team is really good. And the Bucks have already beat them twice this year, so that series is already swept. But Eric Bledsoe won them that game last night, which is nice because I thought he lost them the game against the Clippers. But he played some outstanding defense down the stretch and hit two big threes, which is something that's not typical of Eric Bledsoe to hit two big threes at the end of the game. He's becoming a lot more consistent on the offensive end. Um much more efficient and that was something that the Bucks were really going to need out of Eric Bledsoe is more much more efficient um he he's one of the leading scores in the league at the rim as far as guards you know finishing percentage things like that um I think him and Steph Curry are right up there at finishing at the rim that's a great stat his defense he always seems to be able to come up with a big steal late in the fourth quarter. That's something that the Bucks obviously always really need. It was just kind of strange last night. Giannis had some real questionable possessions towards the end of the game. That's something you don't usually see. Also, when he takes 25 shots, you expect him to have over 30 points. That's just another thing. You're looking for efficiency there. Obviously he still had a great game. Uh, it was kind of alarming how well the Nuggets forced them off the three-point yeah, line. In. The Bucks shot really poorly from 3 but still won the game with defense and paint scoring. Um coach Bud has been saying he he's known since day 1 the Bucks were not going to be able to win an NBA championship just shooting threes and that they would have other game plans to go to when teams were forcing them off the line. Looks like last night was one of those games, and they pulled it out against a really tough team. The Bucks have played, I believe it's the toughest schedule in the Eastern Conference so far, and they're 12 and four. Yep, yep so second place. There's there's a lot of really good things to look at right now with this team, and I just keep I just keep waiting for them to go on a bit of a losing streak, get in a slump, get cold, and they'll do it for half. But in that game last Friday night against the Bulls was really uh, to to be down by 22 points mm-hmm. and come back. And then they were up by 22 points at some point in the fourth quarter.
1: Jabari's return.
2: In Jabari's return, he had a great first half and yeah, didn't did. really and show up. In the, yeah, they all kind of did. Holiday and Parker in the second half. Uh, and Zach Levine, the Bucks kept him contained.
1: Holiday couldn't miss in the first half. It was
2: unreal. I couldn't believe it. And the bucks to win those two games you know to to have the fortitude to come back against the bulls and then to be knocked off their game plan against the jazz and and still pull it out that was and the bucks i believe they were down double digits in the third quarter outscored the jazz 32-21 in the third and that's just i really like how good of a third quarter team the Bucs have become
1: How about the Pistons last night? They get the win 113-102 to over Cleveland. Reggie Bullock, is he starting to become a consistent player for them? We knew they needed a third guy. Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond did their thing. They combined for 44 points and 28 rebounds between those two. But we thought they needed a third guy to really put them over the top. Reggie Bullock had the game winner for him the other night against Toronto. He had 21 last night. Is he starting to become legit?
2: oh man that that 's so tough to say in basketball mm-hmm. um it it's i've been expecting the the Pistons to do whatever they can to make a move to add add someone add some talent um, there's going to be buyouts guys like j r. Smith are going to be available for teams like the Pistons, and I think if the Pistons make a move like that, they could really become a legitimate team in the eastern Conference i don 't think they would challenge obviously for the conference title. But they could challenge to win a, a playoff, uh, you know, a playoff series. So it it's there for the Pistons. Um, you just really wonder, are, th- are they going to have the financial flexibility to make a move like that?
1: Well, they brought in Dwayne Casey, certainly helped them as they got to upgrade at the head coaching position. You brought up J.R. Smith. I loved what he said. He said, Cleveland... Is admittedly tanking this season. They're yep. off to a two and thirteen start, yep. but he doesn't want to get bought out. He wants to get traded. I mean, to openly admit you're tanking fifteen games into the season, I, just, I see contract disputes in his future if he's really going to try to pick yep. where he wants to be. Because he's obviously not content being on a losing team. He wants to be somewhere where he can win, but he also wants to get paid. So, what's going to pay bigger dividends for him? Is it going to be about money? or Is it going to be about wins? That, to me, is where the conflict is going to come into
2: play. Yeah, and that's obviously only something he knows. It just, he, he pops to mind, he comes to mind when I think about the Pistons of being able to acquire somebody. Um, they might have to shed some salaries somewhere if they could. Um, Cleveland could probably help them out with that. Mm-hmm. And he just seems to be the, he would be a natural scorer that, that the Pistons could really use. He's he's a guy, you know, that's why they drafted Luke Kennard, uh, last year, the, the year before last. you know They're looking for those perimeter scores, and he really fits that role.
1: You take a look at Jr. and what that Cleveland Cavalier team is about, a team that made each of the last four NBA Finals is now 2-13, and 13, all because one man went west to Los Angeles. By the way, LeBron James, the new leader in points per game through the NBA, 28.8. It's kind of amazing when you look at it, what he's been able to do. We've got plenty of news to go over when we finish this thing off next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app.
0: Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP
1: app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, the ESPN-UP app. Tanner Hoops joined by Charlie Bramer. Tuesday afternoon, we inch closer to Thanksgiving Yes, ladies and gentlemen, for the last time today, the Pigskin Payday is back.
2: Head into Ojibwe Casinos to predict the winners of each week's pro football games. Play all season long for your chance at the $100,000 grand prize. Only at Ojibwe Casinos, Barriga
1: and Marquette. Adrian Beltre retiring after 21 seasons today. That's sad. I mean, he was such a fixture of baseball for how long a member of the 3,000 hits club That's tough to see, but you knew it was coming, and what a way to end a career. I mean, a great baseball guy threw in and threw out. Baseball won't be the same without him.
2: No, and and I liked Adrian Beltre. A lot of guys, as they get older, they become more and more bland and more and more, well, just old school. Mm -hmm. Adrian Beltre was not that guy. He was the opposite. He became more and more colorful uh, the older he got, and... It seemed like he was able to really sustain, if not improve, his level of play throughout his 30s. Um, it's kind of sad to see him go.
1: Adrian Beltre's gone. Joe Mauer's gone. Look at what we're losing in baseball so far. And the season hasn't even been over a full month no, since yep. the World Series.
2: And and there's just a lot of players over the last several years, guys like... Jeter. Al, yep, and Aramis Ramirez. Oh, yes. Diff- a lot of different guys that have left baseball and and... The funny thing is, is they have had no problem replacing these guys mm-hmm. as far as the talent. The That was something I was always concerned about with baseball. and The talent's there. The stars are there. Hopefully the fans kind of come back a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're hoping that picks up again for baseball. It certainly did in this area with the Brewers going on the run that they did. about going back to the NFL Thursday night game this week? Actually, Thursday afternoon game this week. We get a triple header on Thanksgiving. The Bears' Mitch Trubisky has been listed as day-to-day after suffering an injury on Sunday. They are optimistic he'll play Thursday against the Lions. Did not practice today. I don't even know who the Bears' backup quarterback is, but I tell you what. The Lions may be struggling, but if they have to send anybody who's not Mitch Trubisky out there, they might not only lose to the Lions. That may derail the season for them
2: yeah and and Mitch Trubisky being a young quarterback you know when you hear oh Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers Drew Brees didn't practice you don't blink an eye Mm -mm. when it's a young quarterback like that they need that time to prepare each week for each individual team obviously he's played the Lions before but not a dozen times so what what effect will that have on top of being injured potentially
1: and especially going forward that's why i bring up and may derail their season because the quarterback is the one piece that you don't lose if you can if you can avoid that he's the field general and the guy who sets the tempo you throw another wrench in there at this point in the season where you're chasing a division title i mean anything can happen by the way i looked up who the bears backup quarterback is chase daniel out of missouri i mean had some good years in Missouri. He's been kind of a journeyman quarterback. He had that funny video that went viral in the preseason where he dressed up and asked for autographs from his teammates dressed in disguise about NBA. Markel Fultz is withholding himself from game action and practice until he sees a shoulder specialist. This has been ongoing for the last few weeks where his shot is just so ugly, and it's nothing new. I don't know how much of this is a scapegoat for him, being moved to the bench and trying to take the pressure off him looking like a number one overall draft pick that turns into a bust or what the Jimmy Butler effect has on this. I don't know that I'm totally buying this out of Markel Fultz to be honest, but I think his shot is ugly, whether it's his shoulder or not. And his free throw shooting is so
2: atrocious. Yes. Have you seen how he, how he's been, he kind of tosses the ball back and forth from each hand and always has it moving as he brings it up and shoots it. mm mm-hmm. What causes that? Is it he just there's too much pressure on him? I've never I've never quite seen a free throw. Maybe he should take some lessons from who is it uh Barry? What, was that John Barry? Who was that shot the granny? Rick Barry. Rick Barry. Yeah, I think he needs to get some lessons. Maybe try and shoot him underhand, granny style.
1: It came out that Philadelphia was going to draft Markel Fultz as the number one overall pick. I could not understand why, why they would possibly want that. He was playing for a Washington team that didn't make the NCAA tournament, finished with a losing record. I didn't see what was attractive about him, and I don't think Sixers fans see it either, but that opened the door for plenty of draft picks behind him. You think about some of the guys that were left in his wake, and Philadelphia absolutely passed up on a steal. What if they would have got somebody like Jason Tatum's caliber with the team that they have right now? It's weird to think about what they could have done if they didn't take Markel Fultz number one overall just a couple of years ago. Those are always fun things to go back and Mm -hmm. look at, too. How about uh, NHL? Todd McLellan has been fired earlier today. He's replaced by veteran Ken Hitchcock, who coached the Stars last year, previously coached the Blues, won a cup with the Stars earlier on in his career. McClellan, we knew this was going to come. One of the least surprising fires in the NHL this year. He's got maybe the best young player in the NHL with Connor McDavid. I'm very hesitant to say that he's the best player in the league because I don't think he is. I know there are people who do, however. Mike O was fired last night after the Blues lost to the last place Kings. So now you've got four NHL coaches that are fired. I wonder if Ken Hitchcock is going to do anything to bring the best out of the Oilers and specifically the young Connor McDavid. MLB. Yankees, they've been making moves as of late. Yes. James Paxton came over from Seattle yesterday. They acquired him in a trade. Did you see the report out today that they are looking at bringing in Bryce Harper to play first base? That's not even fair. If the Yankees get Bryce Harper, let's just cancel baseball next season. It'll be like the Warriors and what they're doing in the NBA.
2: Uh, yeah. And Obviously, they have the money to do it. They have got the money to do it. I, I just, I try and focus on my brewers and what's going on with them. They finally figured figured out their coaching staff, filled it out. Mm-hmm. They hired their minor league pitching coordinator to be their pitching coach, um, as a former. They hired a new hitting coach, a younger guy, um, used to be a minor league manager for Christian Yelich. There'll be some familiarity there. Um, something that's really got me excited. Um Keston Hiura the Brewers was it the 2016-2017 first round draft pick. Um he was just named Arizona Fall League MVP. Mm. I don't know how he's only number 30 on the top 100 prospects list. I think he has to jump up. Um he's been limited throughout the start of his minor league baseball career because he had a Uh, It wasn't a full tear in his elbow didn't need tommy john he was able to heal heal from it, but he was playing a lot of dh and when That's part of a that's a big deal when you're a minor league baseball player You got to be out on the field especially if you're looking to be a middle infielder. Mm -hmm. You have to get that experience Um, But he's been playing second base. He's been looking average if not above average at second base he's athletic um, so, his defense is coming around. His bat has always been there. That's what won him the Arizona Fall League um, MVP. The last two players to win the Arizona Fall League MVP were Ronald Acuna of the Braves and Gliber Torres of the Yankees. Pretty good names. So, that is some company. Also, a few years ago, Nolan Arenado won it. Um, Oh, geez, all oh, their names escaping me. But there's been some big, big-time players that have won that. The next year contributed a lot for their major league clubs, respectively. So that is a whole the Brewers potentially will need to fill. It's it's kind of going to be interesting to see what they're going to do with Jonathan Scope. But if Keston Hira comes up and has a big stri- spring training, which that's what he does. All he does is hit. I think the Brewers might finally have their answer at second base.
1: Well, I certainly would have liked to seen James Paxton go somewhere other than the Yankees. Yes. But I would almost feel like he'd be a good guy that the Brewers could bring in. For whatever reason, they need to get a package for some true ace, like a top-tier pitcher. And
2: they have the minor league prospects to do it. They do,
1: they do, but they are at a place right now where they could have used some guy like that this season, and they probably would have won the World Series because they have got a surplus of talent right now at the major league level, and they've got to be in win-now mode with the group that they have. I think they've got a surplus. You know that you do when a guy like Eric Thames isn't even on the postseason roster. You package maybe him and Jonathan Scope together, You can get back a pretty decent return and to me their biggest need is starting pitching if they had that one true ace then it would be weird to think where they would have finished
2: the the consensus in milwaukee is jimmy nelson is that guy and he'll be able to throw no restrictions all offseason he'll be back from that shoulder injury there was talk he was even going to be able to come back last september but how do you bring a guy back for September baseball who hasn't pitched? That just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. It's not like football where a a guy who has experience, you can just jump right back into it. Even though he has experience in baseball, you still need that time to get acclimated. Jimmy Nelson comes back. If Brandon Woodruff can be Brandon Woodruff of the second half of 2018, then add guys like Jimmy, uh, or rather uh, Corbin Burns and Adrian Hauser, I really don't know if the Brewers need to add a starting pitcher. They would be plucking from their bullpen, taking that to their starting rotation, and add some bullpen guys. I think that's going to be what we end up seeing out of the Brewers. Just just knowing Dave and Stearns now and being able to be a little familiar with his tendencies, I think that's the most likely scenario we're going to see play out.
1: When I was keeping track of the Brewers down the postseason trail the pitcher I felt most comfortable to give him a chance to win night in and night out was Euless Chichin. I thought yeah. he was the most consistent guy that they had last year. And to me, that says you just need to upgrade. It's nothing against Chichin, but you bring in a guy who's at that level or better. When you've got guys like Eric Thames who's not even contributing in the postseason, why not make a move like that? Instead of trying to bring up bullpen guys, why not try to upgrade at a a uh, place like starting pitching to help get you over the top as you make your World Series run. That's what I'm hoping David Stearns does and here in the off season.
2: The Brewers do have some guys, though, like Chase Anderson from July of 2016 to July-August of 2017. He had among the lowest ERAs in the National League for, for that portion of, you know, essentially a year worth of time. Guys have dropped off. Other guys have been injured. If the guys that dropped off can pick it back up, jimmy nelson can come back from injury i don't i wouldn't be surprised if the brewers don't add a starting pitcher and instead um add like i said take from their bullpen to the move that to their starting rotation and bring in more bullpen guys corbin burns and jimmy nelson are true aces and adrian hauser throws 95 98 with a hard 12 6 curve He's he's a number three. Then you're looking at a guy like Yuli Chassin being your four, being your five. That makes sense. Um, and I, and and they could move Yuli's from the top of the rotation back down to the middle bottom half of the rotation, just with guys coming back from injury. I would love to see him make a move, but I'm just I keep saying this just because it doesn't seem like a thing that David Sutens is going to do.
1: I just don't see where they need to upgrade at the bullpen. As long as you bring back Nabel, Hayter, Jeffress, keep those guys together, your bullpen's gonna be great. I I don't know why you would want to change that. And I get what you're saying as far as the guys that they have there. They have young guys that they should be excited about. But that works if they all stay healthy. That's true. And if they perform to expectations. And they don't always. And it, I to me, I just don't see all those guys. Panning out as they 're supposed to and it 's not a knock on them it 's just very rarely does everybody come in the system that they were brought into and performed expectations every single one of them that 's why I want to see the brewers go out they 've got the surplus of talent, put together a nice package, and get a top tier pitcher to to really cement your one or two spot up
2: there yep and the, and the big thing is is you know for for as well as Brent Souter did the last two years, you can't have him starting every fifth day. Yeah. You just really can't have a guy like that starting every fifth day throwing an 85-mile-an-hour uh, cutter. It, it it manages to get guys out, but he, he always falls victim to that fourth or fifth inning and being able to bring back a guy like Jimmy Nelson. That's 200 innings. That's 200 strikeouts. And give Corbin Burns more innings. Guys like Taylor Williams uh need to step up in the bullpen. The arms are there. I just it would be nice if the Brewers would add some somebody, but I don't think it's gonna happen. I think they are really content with with what they have and and they'll probably bring in some you know, like uh another Matt Albers or guy like that. And that's not what I want, but unfortunately that's probably what gonna be what we're gonna see and we're gonna be stuck with counting on these young guys to really turn out and like you said, doesn't always happen, but my fingers are going to be crossed.
1: Charlie Bramer's in studio with us. As always, thanks so much for being here. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Yep. We'll see you next Thank week. Thank you
2: so much. Tanner, you have a great Thanksgiving, and I will catch you next Monday and next Tuesday.
1: That's it for us. We are back at you tomorrow on the Sports Pen 4 Eastern, 3 Central on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app.